and welcome back to the HR Grapevine podcast, the podcast series that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last week. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR within a short podcast. So join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined by Jade Burke, editor of My Grapevine. So welcome back, Jade. How are you doing? Thank you for having me again. Yeah, all good, thank you. Hope you're doing good too, so. Yeah, really well, thank you. Just powering on with uh, lockdown remote working at the moment, as we all are. Like a large portion of the country, we are both currently working from home at the moment. So we are dialing in for the podcast. So we do apologise, as I've said before, if the sound quality isn't as optimum as it could go. But we are still dedicated to bringing you the latest topical debates in a short HR podcast, whether it's recorded from our homes as it is at the moment or whether we are back in our dedicated recording room in the office. The topic for today's podcast is all about HR safely returning staff to work. Um, Sophie, I believe you are going to kick this off, I think, with some some of the latest government updates. Yes, absolutely. As I'm sure you've all been keeping up to date with, it's been an extremely important week in HR, as the UK government published COVID secure guidelines earlier this week, which provide guidance on getting businesses back up and running and operating uh, safe workspaces. So the guidelines which were produced after consultation with places like Trade Bodies, Unions, Public Health England and the Health and Safety Executive cover eight different workplace environments which are allowed to be open under current measures. So these range from construction sites to takeaway services. The Department for Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy said that the following five key points should be actioned as soon as is practical. Um, So these, according to the guidelines, include working from home if possible. As Prime Minister Boris Johnson explained, those that aren't able to work remotely should go back to work, but everyone is able to do their job from home should do that. Next on the um, the list of guidelines include the fact that employers are required to carry out COVID-19 risk assessments, which should be done alongside workers and trade unions. So all businesses with over 50 employees are expected to publish the results of their risk assessments on their websites for everyone to see. And all other businesses are just encouraged to do so if it is possible. Thirdly, um, employers must adhere to the two metre social distancing measures, which may mean in some respects that workplaces will have to be redesigned to facilitate this. Um, The next guideline is around managing the transmission risk. So if colleagues aren't able to distance themselves by two metres from colleagues, barriers and other safety measures should be put in place to minimise the level of human contact. And finally, employers should be paying extra attention to cleaning and hygiene measures. If you would like to see a summarised list of the points covered in the government's release, uh, we leave a click-through link at the bottom of the podcast so that you can access that easily. So there's definitely a lot of information for people functions to digest at the moment. But essentially, the main gist of the guidelines is to ensure that if and when employers do return staff to work and reopen businesses, it is facilitated as safely as possible. But prior to the guidelines being published, when Johnson actively encouraged those who couldn't work remotely to go back to work, um, an employment lawyer at Phil Fisher, who was called Ranjit Dinza, said essentially that failure to adhere to safe conditions could open up many businesses to claims from employees over the safety of their workplace. Again, in anticipation of the government's COVID secure guidelines, the CIPD's chief executive, Peter Cheese, also urged employers to meet three key tests before returning to work. 
work, which include the following questions. Um, first of all, is it essential? Is it safe? And is the decision to return mutually agreed by both the employer and the employee? And it seems that workplace health and safety is something that employees themselves are actively concerned about, as some research has shown. A study from Engage and YouGov found that more than half of UK workers are uncomfortable about the idea of returning to work. According to the study, respondents considered to be vulnerable, either because of their age, health or something else, uh, seem to be the most concerned, while staff who live with people also considered to be vulnerable also didn't like the idea of going back to work too much. The highest level of discomfort appeared to be among the education and professional services sectors, which in terms of professional services includes financial services and accounting. The biggest concern appeared to be how social distancing could be effectively managed, the logistics of moving around the workspace, uh, the use of public toilets and shared facilities, and also the use of shared equipment in the office. So the research has really found that health and safety is a key consideration for employers and employees alike, and it is obviously a legal obligation for businesses to comply with. Clearly, as the people function, ensuring that health and safety of employees is adhered to is a big part of their role when facilitating a safe return to work. So we've spoken about some of the health and safety considerations laid out by the government, and I think now it's best if we move on to the practicalities of returning to work. So I think Jade's got some research and also some case studies that we can talk through for this section. Yes, definitely. So obviously we're now in week seven of lockdown in the UK. And unsurprisingly, employees working from their homes are perhaps starting to get a little bit restless and they're eager to return back to some form of form of normality. Um, I know myself, I have missed the interaction and office brings, whether that's general chit chat over the water cooler or just being able to bounce off your ideas within, with your colleagues um, during a weekly catch up meeting, for example. And statistics are also supporting this, as a survey carried out by Global Legal Business, DWF, um, the survey spoke to 2,000 workers and it found that half are ready to return to work, providing that their employer has put in place the appropriate safety measures. So while this eagerness, I think, is apparent among employees up and down the UK, there are several practicalities I believe HR has to consider before they even think about opening their office doors, for example, once again in the future. So HR may need to think about how they can actually maintain social distancing in the workplace when there are places such as lifts and communal kitchen and dining areas. Meanwhile, employers may find that some staff are unwilling to wear PPE permanently when in the workplace. You know, these are all huge factors that have to be considered. Earlier this week, we reported on the news that Salesforce's London employee base may actually find themselves having to book a place in the lift when they return to the office. So that's something that may have been considered unfounded this time last year before the coronavirus outbreak, but it may soon actually be the new norm in the workplace where employees have to book their slot in the lift to actually use it. You know, so with, with this in mind, it's clear that employers will need to implement several changes before they return their staff to work, something that is also supported by 82% of employees who agree that lots of things must change at their company, according to life-based values research, which I found this week. In addition, I wanted to get some you know, real hands-on thoughts from, from HR leaders in, in, on this subject. I spoke to Dawn Moore, Group People Director at Murphy Group, prior to this podcast to get an understanding of what HR really should be doing in this situation. She told me, there isn't a one-size-fits-all for employees. Start with the government guidelines and recognise that all employees' circumstances will be different. There are some fantastic learnings from our site-based teams where their work cannot be done from home. 
These include innovative office layouts to maximise social distancing, one-way systems and personal wellbeing support for colleagues that we can learn from to support the wider organisation. Hi, my name is Daniel Cave, Head of Content at HR Grapevine. I'm interrupting your usual podcast listening to tell you about our inaugural virtual HR event, HR Technology, A Brave New World, which, perhaps obviously, is all about HR technology and digital ways of working and how you can utilise these aspects to drive people-powered business results whilst boosting the profile of the HR function you work in. Hosted on July the 1st and July the 2nd, it will feature live chats with subject area experts in payroll, employee experience, engagement and automation from companies such as ADP, Bridge, Ceridian, Cornerstone, Glint, Oracle and Sage. What's more, there'll be networking with your peers and presentations and virtual fireside chats with leading HR names, including speakers who've presented at TEDx and Davos World Forum, as well as HR leaders from BP Launchpad, GIFGAF and CERN as they talk through everything that is digital well-being, the online employee experience during the pandemic, and what engagement really means. It's going to be two days that you can't miss out upon. What's more, it's free to register, which you can do so now or after you finish listening to this week's podcast by heading to virtual.hrgrapevine.com. That's virtual.hrgrapevine.com. And with it being virtual, you won't even have to leave the spare room, home office, kitchen surface, or front room coffee table that you're currently working on to be able to attend. Stay safe, guys, and enjoy the rest of the podcast. And Sophie, I know you've also spoke to another HID on this topic. Yes, actually yesterday I spoke to Adrian Binfield, who is the HR Director for Business Continuity at BT, um, who essentially explained to me that throughout the pandemic, roughly 50% of employees have continued to do their jobs in their usual workplace locations, obviously with measures in place, while 50% have gone remote. So in terms of drivers to focus on when planning out a return to work, Adrian said to me that BT is looking at it through three lenses, which I thought would be really, really good to share with everyone today. So the first lens is obviously from a safety perspective, which um, Adrian admits has got to come first. Essentially, he said it's really about unpicking and understanding the government guidelines and what needs to be put in place, but also weighing up whether it's feasible for the business to reoccupy workplace buildings. Things to consider are things like access and entry points and also things like hygiene, which are extremely critical to worker health and safety. Secondly, um, he told me it's about determining business requirements and which roles can and can't be completed from home. So Adrian said the next question really is about the rationale for bringing back more roles. And he thinks this will boil down to collaboration, engagement and the level of support that can be put in place. Finally, BT's third lens is about gauging colleague preferences and personal circumstances. Um, he said to me that they're actually looking at launching a survey for all colleagues that have been temporarily working from home just to shed light on essentially whether they have any caring responsibilities, you know, things like their usual commute to work, their home working situation, for example, if they have a 
a separated private study room to work in of their, you know, sharing work spaces with um, other people in the house, just to really find out what staff feel comfortable doing. And he finished off by saying some of it might be driven by business requirements and some of it might be driven by those individuals who would prefer to go back to a working environment. And I think it will be really important as we go through this to listen to colleagues. And I think that's an extremely valid point. Obviously, there are lots of legal um, and government obligations that organisations need to adhere to. But obviously, this has been an extremely testing and challenging time for employees as well. So getting their insights regarding how comfortable they would be and and what other things that they need to consider, I think, is a great piece of advice from Adrian there. So I think once you've kind of got an idea of the, the practical steps that need to be taken, it's really about communicating that information to um, colleagues. So, Jake, do you perhaps have any tips that you could share with us, you know, best practice for communicating this information? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think it may be the hope of every HR practitioner to be able to lead a successful strategy when it comes to introducing their employees back into work. But like you mentioned just now, Sophie, this, this cannot be done without effective communication. And research by Engage and YouGov revealed that 58% of employees feel there will be no change in the communication they have with their manager. A worryingly high figure, I think, indicating that employees need and want more communication from their bosses. David Silito, a partner at Leeds-based specialist firm Robinson Ralph, also pointed to this as well. As he told me, employees are likely to feel vulnerable in returning to work, so conversations will be necessary to provide reassurance. Communication and a reasonable approach from employees and employers will be necessary. While communication is key during this uncertain time, Cake HR by Sage added that HR needs to ensure it is recognising that every employee is different and therefore listening to your staff is also essential, particularly in times like this where it's so uncertain. They explained to me, everyone is different. Listen to and understand the communication needs to your people. Not everyone is the same. People in different roles and of different ages will have their preferred form of communication. Show empathy. Show you understand the needs of your people. You understand their worries, concerns, and are not there only to listen to them, but respond accordingly too. So hopefully all of the guidance there will give you um, some understanding of perhaps where to start in terms of facilitating a safe return to work. But unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content. Whether that's our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events or market leading research papers. So to sign up to our daily content newsletters, which showcase solutions and best practice answers to all of your HR issues, please visit www.hrgrapevine.com.